0: because this is a very important truth for all of us on the battle for your mind part 2 so we'll go to first samuel 25 and we'll look at verse number 2 start there there was a man in maon whose business was in carmel and the man was very rich so first thing you know he's a wealthy guy he had 3000 sheep and 1000 goats and he was sharing his sheep in carmel the name of the, na- the man was nabal and the name of his wife abigail she was a woman of good understanding Beautiful appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was sharing his sheep, David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, greet him in my name. Unless you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you, peace to your house, peace to all that you have. Now I've heard that you have sharers. Your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them nor was there anything missing from them, all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son David. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all the words in the name of David and waited. Then Nabal answered David's servants, and he said, Who is David, and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each one from his master. So I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I've killed for my shearers and give it to men when I do not know where they, where they are from. So David's young men turned on their heels and went back. And they came and told David all these words. Wow. So, Father, thank you for truth. You've included this story in your word for our training and instruction. So, Holy Spirit, illuminate truth to us. Help us that we might correct the trajectory of how we think. We would be conformed to your will and conformed to your purpose. That's what's going to bring us victory and blessing and success. In Jesus' name, amen. King Saul of Israel had become insanely jealous of David. He began to understand that he was about to lose his throne nor would any of his lineage acquire the, th- the throne, because he had disobeyed the Lord more than once, and God said, it's over for you and your family in leadership. And God had already selected a successor to become the new king of Israel, and had seen to it that David, the shepherd boy, was anointed to become the king. So King Saul was so enraged and jealous that he attempted even to kill David in his palace, And David eventually had to flee for his life and spent a number of years on the run. David had proven himself faithful to the Lord, truly anointed of the Lord, because immediately he goes out into the battlefield after being anointed and chosen of the Lord and takes down the giant Goliath. So the story is one of the classics in all of Scripture, because in addition to his great warrior skills, David possessed a heart of worship and a great combination, a worshiper and a warrior. And he penned many of the Psalms, and they are essentially songs of worship to the Lord. And his anointed playing literally subdued the devils that now occupied the heart of King Saul. So when David was playing his harp in the palace, created a whole new atmosphere, calmed down the rage in the heart of King Saul and the spirits that had affected him, because the Scripture says, the evil spirits had come into his life. So now David has literally had to flee into the forest and live off of the land with those men who surrounded him because they were loyal to him. And he had several hundred, what were called mighty men of valor, that worked alongside of David. He had rounded them up, they had been people who had been scattered and removed and thrown out of their communities. And David rounded them up, and he trained them in the skills of a warrior and made them mighty men of valor. And he's surrounded by them as he's on the run. David was literally running for his life. There's a bounty on his head. And here we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 25. David's been fleeing for his life. His followers come into an area that appears to be relatively safe for a short period of time. It's an area where sheep shearers are shearing their sheep And David and his men camped alongside the shepherds and their flocks and protected them from the thieves. Now these flocks belonged to a wealthy landowner by the name of Nabal. And during this time of shearing of the flocks, great opportunity for thieves to come in and steal because shepherds are very busy when they're taking care of the shearing of all these hundreds and hundreds in in their flocks. David's men then were posted as security guards along the mountain ridges and in the valleys, and they protected Nabal's massive flocks. And as a reward now for protecting the flocks of Nabal, all David requested was that they be given enough food to eat to get them through the rest of the late winter and on into the early spring. So David wanted to make sure he and his men had something to eat for the services they provided and for the safety they provided. So David sends his men to ask Nabal for whatever food he might be willing to spare and to share with them. And they said, we've been taking care of your flocks. We provided you security. Would you help us? And David, you know, he really, he really desires that you help us because, you know, we're out here and we don't have anything we own of, our own of ourselves. So we need your assistance. But Nabal showed no gratitude, no respect for David. Essentially said, who's David? And why should I be concerned for him? And then Nabal made this comment, A lot of servants are leaving their masters. He has nothing for me. It means nothing. I have no use for him. David's a nobody. He's a has-been. Well, the servants of Nabal were also observant of this exchange between the servants of David and Nabal. And Nabal had been having this huge party and was drunk. He's full of wine. His ego is as big as the tent he lived in and he's a foolish and a stupid man, okay? So he says to David's men, you tell David he's not going to get anything from me. I don't have any respect for him. And those mighty men of God who served David, I'm sure you could see the veins popping out of their necks when Nabal is saying this about their leader, King David, to come. And there was blood in their eyes. And I mean, they're not happy with this response. So they write off carrying that message to David, and the servants of Nabal, on the other hand, they knew were in trouble. Nabal has messed up big time. So when David's men arrived back at the camp, they explained to David about this man, Nabal. And he's ungrateful. He's totally rude. After we've been serving here, he blows us off. And I'm not sure I know of any other way I can put this to you. In modern-day language, I guess you just call Nabal a jerk. Okay? So they recount the information to David. You know, it's one thing to tick off an individual when he's having a wonderful time and a great day. Everything's going well. The sun's come up. The birds are singing. He's relaxed, and things are moving in the right direction. He's focused. He's at ease. He's not stressed. He's not uptight. And, you know, he tried to get under the skin of an individual like that, and he'll just blow it off and think, whatever. Okay? That's another thing to insult and try to pick a fight with somebody who's had a bad week. And not just a bad week, but a bad month. And not just a bad month, but a bad year. In fact, David has had a string of several bad years in a row, fleeing from King Saul. So David is really ticked off, okay? He's frustrated. He's been on the run for his life on a day-to-day basis. He needs food and water for his mighty men. And he wants something to just kind of relax a little bit. And when David receives this news from his mighty men, the only way I can describe it is David went berserk. I mean, that was it. It was done. He said to his mighty men, pay back for Nabal will be medevac. Okay? He said, get your swords, get on your horses. We're going to pay Nabal a visit. And I'm going to wipe him off the face of the earth. David fixed his eyes. He got up on his horse. Joab, his general, and mighty men of valor, who've been through all kinds of battles with David, are now observing David getting into his go to war mode. And he's going to war. Get your swords, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David. 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. Oh, boy. So they remembered when David had been hiding in the cave. You remember he's on the run and King Saul stops at this cave and not knowing David's in there with some of his mighty men, he goes in to sleep and and to take care of business. And so Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, hey, look, this is the day which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. So they're saying to David, now's the time. Take this guy out. We'll put an end to this stuff. And David arose and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe and left him alive. And after that time, they're observing David with King Saul, and they see he's had a chance to stop this adversary. You know, his men were not happy, and they were unpleased with David's decision. They were were just really upset that David did not take care of business with Saul in the cave. And he said to his men, David, the Lord forbid that I should do this unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Not going to do it. Not going there. Because they too, all of his mighty men had lost everything when they were on the run from the culture and on the run from King Saul. They'd lost their families and they were ready now to let's get this thing over with and get back in place. And it was one thing to be insulted by God's anointed. It's another thing to be insulted by an unanointed jerk. Okay? Nabal was not God's anointed. He was not king. He's a backwater hick in the middle of the sticks, and he's a jerk on top of it. Happens to be wealthy, but well, just because you're wealthy doesn't mean you're dialed in. So the frosting on the cake, he's attempting now to rip David off. So David says, I'm going to kill him. Okay? So Nabal's servants observe what David's about to do, and they ran to the brains of the outfit, Abigail, and they tell her what's about to happen, including how Nabal had insulted David and his mighty men. And so they run to the brains of the household. Of course, it's not Nabal, it's Abigail. Okay? So one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, "Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them when she began to hear the story of Nabal's servants, I'm sure she said, oh, my God. Why? Because she knew her husband. She knew he was, she was married to a fool. She called him one herself. Boy, imagine if your wife ran around and said about you, I know he's a fool, okay? Please understand I'm married to a fool. Can you imagine that? And probably when the servants began to explain the situation, it had to go through her mind what has the fool done now? What has he done? And the Holy Spirit's given me a word for Calvary Christian Center today related to hmm, the battle for your mind. As I preached to you several weeks ago, you are in a battle for your mind. And whether you win or lose, succeed or fail, the battlefield is your mind. And the world be won or lost on the battlefields of your mind. So the Bible says that Abigail was beautiful. And she knew that David had been out in the wilderness for quite a long period of time. He was hungry. He was worn down. So, so look at how she sends and, and, and works this entire event. She sends in his direction. Abigail sent on ahead of her donkeys of provision. Okay? Abigail rode on out after she sent out these provisions. Then she positioned herself between her foolish husband, Nabal, and, and David. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 fig cakes, and she packed them on donkeys. So she took over Sunsweet here and said to her servants, Go on ahead. I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. So here's how this all tracks. Now watch. Abigail intercepts David and helps David get his thinking right. And I want you to see Abigail in a way you may have never seen her before. Abigail is a type of the church. And what does the church mean to us? Why do we come to church? What's church supposed to do in our lives? Well, there's a number of things we could recount. But church is here, like Abigail was for David, to get your thinking right, to get your head on straight. When you are in a good, spirit-filled church, that church will help you get your thinking right before you do something that could mess up your whole life. Church is where you go to get your thinking straight. So many people in America that own Bibles call ourselves a Christian nation. And many Christians who call themselves Christians, under 40% of them ever open their Bibles to read them. That's That's the drought we are in in American culture today. And as I said, Abigail was a beautiful woman... Psalm 48 talks about the tabernacle. The church is being beautiful as well. The church is beautiful according to God's word. The city of our God, his holy mountain, it is beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. Wow. So God's people are beautiful. And there's something beautiful that happens when we sing praises, when we step into his presence to worship, when we hear his truth preached. You can walk in. You can walk in and come in with problems and issues, but the church is here in the world, in the culture, to get your thinking right. David was not thinking right. David was going to go kill him and all of those who served with him. David had prophecies over his life. David had promises about his future that God had given to him. You are going to be the next king of Israel. And boy, what a kingdom that God was going to give him from his lineage and the future that God was about to deliver into his hands. But he was absolutely going to destroy those promises by an act of anger and disobedience and willful wrong thinking. To slaughter a man out of anger would have been a major act of disobedience on the part of David. But Abigail, a type of the church, intercepts David and she's able to get his thinking back on track. And I seriously doubt that even if Nabal had come crawling on his hands and knees to David and asked for forgiveness, that that would have changed David's thinking or calmed his anger. But Abigail calmed him down and got David to reassess his thinking. Nothing was going to dissuade David from going after Nabal after he and his men had invested weeks and weeks of serving and blessing and protecting them from the thieves and looking out for their protection of all their goods, and risking their lives. There was nothing that was going to stop David from going to collect on this. David was frustrated. David was angry. And when he first heard the news, his thoughts were, I'm going to go kill him. But in Abigail was wisdom. And when she intercepts David with wisdom, beauty, and insight, he begins to think right. She began to communicate with him and enabled David to get his head straight and get his thinking oriented. That's the job of Holy Spirit-anointed preaching. When nothing can persuade people to do the right thing, when nothing can reach us, when we walk in upset with wrong attitudes, with bitterness and anger, the Holy Spirit will intercept us and get our thinking right. And just when you think you're going to let somebody have it, and you can't wait to get there on Monday so you can vent your wrong attitude, the Holy Spirit shows up in church on Sunday and says, we've got to get your thinking right. There's bitterness in your heart, there's anger in your spirit, and that needs to go. And nothing else would have stopped David from stepping over the line and jeopardizing his future. But here's this beautiful bride, and we are the bride of Christ... And we possess the wisdom of the ages in us, and that's exactly what got David's thinking right. Now, the question you have to ask is: worth it or not? How many times have you come to the house of the Lord and you were not intending to do one thing because you were you were not right in your heart? You were just going to sit there. I'm just going to because I'm not happy. Not right in my thinking. Not right in your attitude. Not right in your spirit. And just as certain as you come into the house of the Lord with that attitude, into the presence of the Lord, here comes the Holy Spirit, (laughs) Abigail, the church with the wisdom of the ages for you. And the pastor gets up and he preaches and the Holy Spirit says, you don't have the right spirit. You need to calm down. You need to let go of that offense. You need to see this from a totally different perspective. And she said to him, David, it's not worth it. He's a fool. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will use the church and the service and the presence of God to get your thinking right. Because he's not worth it. She's not worth it. It's not worth it. They're not worth it. Because if you allow the enemy to set up camp in your thinking, you'll start to think, hmm, he or she is worth it. It's worth it. And hear me today when it's not worth it. And it takes the church to get your head straightened out and your thinking right. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Wow. Because so many people are looking at pennies. Anybody have a penny in your pocket? Anybody reach in and find a penny in your pocket? A little piece of copper. How many have a piece of copper in your pocket? Pull it out. You've got a penny in your pocket. Come on. Take a minute. Get a penny out of your pocket. I want to show you something. Now, if you're looking from afar, it looks kind of tiny up here, but if you're closer up, you can see that I hold a penny in my hand. You have a penny? Let me see it if you have a penny. Hold it up. Cool. Okay, now keep it in your hand. I, Lucas, come up here. You have a penny, right? Yes. Finally has a penny to his name. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> now, cover your left eye with your left hand, everybody who has a penny in your hand, and hold this penny. Come on, hold it out here. And I want you with your right eye to focus on the penny. Okay? Now, as you're focusing on that penny, I want you to take that penny. And bring it closer and closer and closer to your right eye, as close as you possibly can, less than an inch away, and focus on that penny. Focus hard on that penny. Now ask, can, can you see the penny? Can you see it? Yeah, of course you can see it. You move it closer and closer, and, and you can't see the people any longer around you because this thing has filled your vision. It's filled your eye, Right? you can't see me. All you see is the penny. Now, if you were to take this penny and hold it really close and have your left eye covered completely and only staring at this penny, you're going to have a hard time seeing anything beyond the perimeter of that penny. It won't be in focus. Okay? And take that penny down. The penny, thank you, Lucas. Keep that penny. Put it up on a wall somewhere and know that it's your first penny here at Calvary Christian Center. The penny represents the problems and the challenges that you face. Now hear what I'm saying to you. Let me tell you what the enemy wants to do to you. That's what he did to David. David had this prophecy. He'd been anointed to become the next king of Israel. The promise of God's amazing future was all over David. And the enemy sent a penny to blind his vision. To block what he was seeing. To push in David's face a focus of something so minute, stupid, temporary, it didn't amount to a hill of beans. And the enemy will do the same thing to each and every one of you, to put in front of your eyes something minute, in order to get you to miss the big picture. You won't be able to see in focus what goes beyond what you're looking at right now, to mess with your mind. And the enemy wants to get you thinking about the one problem that becomes an eclipse to everything else that's very important. Because if put in perspective where God was taking David, this situation was nothing but a penny stuck in his eye. The enemy is a master of distractions. He will use the pennies of life to get your eyes blinded to the promises of God related to your future and your blessings. And if you're not careful, you'll get focused on the penny, you'll not be able to see the amazing things that God has right before you on the road ahead because you think this penny is such a big deal. It's just a penny. And that was that was what God was speaking through Abigail to David. He's just a fool. You got all upset And what you need to do, David, is get your thinking right. David has allowed Nabal's offense to blind him. And and all the promises that God has for him in that moment now can't be seen. Don't lose the promises of God over penny problems. You need to get your thinking oriented to God's biblical principles. need to get your heart right, spirit right. But it was on his mind and in his face and it was close to him. So all David could think was, Nabal, Nabal, Nabal. David had said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. In other words, he didn't lose anything. And he was repaid me evil for good. May God do, do so and more also to the enemies of David. If, if one, I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. So she says to David, Somehow I've got you to think again. You've got to think again. You've got to look at the bigger picture. He's not worth it. She's not worth it. It's not worth it. Refocus. Church is where you go to get your thinking right. You have the presence of the Lord in the body of Christ. Who cares if Nabal is around you or not? God is with you. Who cares if Nabal is talking about you or not? God is with you. You have the promises of God. God. You've got the smile of God. You've got the blessing of God on your life. Why are you focused on the pennies of life when God is for you and God is with you and God has a plan for your life and blessings for your future? Remember, the battle is for your mind. and You must submit your thinking in the reservoir of your thought life to the word of God. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, not selective ones, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. God has a destiny for us, destiny for each of us. God has a purpose for each of us. He has a plan for each of us. And if you're not careful, you'll focus on the immediate situation and forfeit all those immediate and rather amazing plans that God has beyond this moment. When David saw Abigail, something began to happen. First of all, she was beautiful. And then she had wisdom. Then she brought the blessings. She uh, 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 She sent ahead of her all of the food and all of the supplies. And that's a type of the church here you are, the church is beautiful. In the church resides the wisdom of God. In in the church resides God's supplies for whatever it is you need. But the enemy wants to get your eyes off the goodness of God, off the blessings of the Lord, off the promises of God, and get you to focus on miniature problems. And I think David's eyes looked at Abigail and thought, I haven't seen a pretty woman in these woods for a long time. (laughs) And he looked at her, and then he looked at all the food that she supplied. As a result of that, he was able to listen to the wisdom that she brought to him. Now there's a formula for success. She was so wise. She knew, I've got to get his eyes off of the penny and get... Your eyes on the beauty of the bride of Christ, who Jesus is, the wisdom of his word, the God who supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God has given us his promises. His blessings are available to us. And you're tempted to think that all you've got going on in your life is this penny. Well, in reality... There are loads and loads and loads of the blessings of God that he's he's prepared for you. You have to refocus on the bigger picture. That's why Paul had this perspective for our light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Those light afflictions are just the pennies compared to where we're headed for and what God has in store for us. Do you believe that God's promises are above your problems? And do you believe the promises of God above what you face right now? That's the question, isn't it? Because right here is where you're going to make your choice. I believe the promises of God above what I'm facing right now, or I don't. And I let these problems become major in my life. Well, Abigail met David with wisdom and she met him with blessings. And sometimes all you can see is the penny. It's your thinking. You're blessed with a great family. And you can even be in a great marriage. You can be in a great church. And some neighbor does something to offend you. <laughs> and instead of seeing all the great things you should be focused on, all you're doing is this. <laughs> That's all you're doing. you got this penny stuck in your eye. And you walk around seeing the bad and you walk around seeing the negative and the penny and the miniature problem. Or you can look at all your children and, and, and those that are pursuing the things of God in your family. And you, and you can focus on the fact, if you choose, well, you know, he, he's not in the middle of this. And, and this one's doing the right thing. And, and that one, Or you can say, well, that one's not acting the way they should. And that one's misbehaving. Or you can look at the big picture, the biblical perspective, and understand, saints, that God's got something great for everybody if we'll just look around us beyond this stuck in our eye. Amen? And I'm preaching better than you're letting on, so hear me when I'm saying to you, turn to somebody and say, you really need this message today. Because isn't it amazing if somebody's offended you, you can walk into a room with dozens of people in that room And if that one who offended you walks in the room, you go blind. Like the matador with a red cape. And here comes the bull, right? And all you see is the red cape. And you start snorting. And that's why you need your church. The church gets your thinking refocused. Amen? So you don't focus with bitterness and anger and a vengeful spirit and strife and division. None of those attitudes are from the Lord. Get the penny out of the focus of your eye. Because the plan of God is way greater than this immediate thing you're looking at. And don't get down there slinging mud. Because anytime you're out there slinging mud, you're losing ground. The enemy wants to get your eyes off of the goodness of God, the blessings of God, the promises of God... And get you focused on the minor irritations of life. Get your thinking aligned with God's word. Because the nabels of this world are not worth it. There will always be nabels in this world. Let that be a lesson for you in your marriages as well. Don't major in minors. Stop focusing on the trivial. Because all you do is create an irritation when you do that. Take a lesson from Abigail. Through her beauty, through her wisdom, through her provisions, she refocused David's thinking. Abigail refocused David's thinking on future blessings, having softened his rage. Now, if he'd have gone through with what he wanted to do, wow, wow. And yet God had this amazing plan for David. But because he was out in the wilderness and been on the run now for years, it's very easy to get unfocused and not recognize there's an anchor back here somewhere that God placed in my life. And like Joseph had an anchor way back in his life years before, so did David. And he had to remember God poured that vial of oil all over my head and said, I'm the next king of Israel, and I cannot forget what God called me to or get unfocused about it. That's, that's exactly what a good Holy Spirit-led word from the Lord will do for your life. You can walk in with a bad attitude I don't care what anybody says. This is what I think. Or you can walk in with sin in your spirit, and you can think, I don't care what anybody says. If I could do this or shouldn't do this, this is what I'm going to do because I want to do it. He's worth it. She's worth it. Listen to me. You're going to destroy your marriage. You're going to destroy your covenant. You're going to destroy the future that God has for you because you're looking at the moment, and you're not looking at what God's called you to do and be. But you walk into a church like ours truly anointed of the Lord, and the Word of God is preached, and the wisdom of the ages begins to flow, and the Holy Spirit illuminates the truth, and it softens up the fallow ground of your heart, because the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God will soften your heart. You walked into church, and on your way over, you had words with your spouse, and here's how you're thinking, I'm going to hold my ground. And the pastor's preaching this message today, just for you. And the Holy Spirit begins to work on your heart. And the scripture says the word of God is like a hammer. It breaks the rocks in pieces. It softens up your heart. Life is too short to walk around angry, upset, puffed up, and agitated. Life's too short. You need to allow the Holy Spirit and the word of God to soften your heart, to change your mind, to renew the way you think, so that you can live a peaceful life joyful, relaxed life, serving the Lord. And the Holy Spirit wants me to share with you that you need to get your eyes off of the pennies of life because they're crowding out your space. They're robbing you of your joy. They're killing your spirit. They're giving you a BA. They're blocking your vision, causing you not to see how blessed you are in the moment. And you need to take that penny and throw it away and lift your hands and look here and look there and be able to say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. God has blessed me immensely. God is still holy. God is still worthy. You cannot allow this penny to eclipse your vision of the future that God has planned for you. God has for each of us at Calvary Christian Center a right spirit and right thinking Because these light afflictions are nothing compared to the glory about to break out on us here at Calvary Christian Center. And even if you never get to see one of those things manifested, you're heading to the place where all of his promises are going to be fulfilled in your life. You have 24,000 praises you need to be giving the Lord right now, because each of us has 24,000 breaths during the course of the day. And let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Wow. So in a nutshell, Abigail focused David on future blessings, not the immediate temporary problem. And it broke him free from his depression and his aggravation, kept him from doing something that might have destroyed his future, and rekindled in him again his vision and remembrance that God had anointed him to be king. And Abigail got David to think once again, I'm going to be the king. And God is going to establish his house in my lineage. And she reminded him about his future and asked the question, why would you waste your time thinking about this little fool when so much lies ahead of you? She focused David on the blessings that God had promised him. So then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice, and blessed are you, because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. We live and breathe here today at Calvary Christian Center to get you to focus on future blessings, on the promises that God has made for you, what God has planned for each of us individually what God has planned for us collectively. We're here today to get our thinking right. And in this battle for the mind, by the help of God's Word, we will leave here today thinking right. A right heart, a right spirit, right thinking, with the fruit of that being love, joy, peace, long-suffering, forgiveness, mercy, grace. As a part of your journey, there are always going to be the na- the neighbors. Always. Your attitude should be, whatever. Keep moving forward. God's with me. Now, psychologists can assist you in getting your thinking right. They're very effective in pinpointing what a problem is and where it came from. But Jesus, and only Jesus in his word, can provide you the remedy. Only Jesus in his word can get your thinking in the right direction. Others can help you discover what the problem is. They can help you place your finger on it, but they can't fix it. Only Christ can fix your thinking. So you can go spend 100 to 200 bucks an hour and get to know where your thinking is wrong. But you can step into the presence of the Holy Spirit at Calvary Christian Center and walk out renewed and refreshed because of what he's able to do that no human can do. Our world needs an Abigail church. A church that reflects the beauty of Christ the wisdom of God's Word, and the abundant supply of God's favor. So wherever we're connected with and contacted, that's what they take away. Whether you receive the wisdom of how to be a daddy, because you never had a good daddy when you were growing up. Or how to keep your marriage together because you were raised raised in an environment where there were nothing but broken marriages, where you walked in without life skills, but You're able to walk out with new life skill sets because you've given your life to the one who created you, to lead you. And here comes Abigail saying, let me help you get your thinking straight. You're not going to leave your child. You're not going to walk away from your kids. You're going to be a man. You're going to stay in that home. You're going to work your way through it. You're going to talk your way through it. You're going to learn how to hold it together. And here's how you step through abuse. And here's how you overcome addiction. You have to be filled with the Word of God. Because Calvary Christian Center, we are the church. And we exist to help people do that. Because we don't see what you see. We don't see that penny that you're focused on. You've got your eye all locked onto. We see the promises of God. We see that God has plans for your life. And we're here to encourage you not to give up because you'll see the the harvest that God promised you. And so today, we ought to take a couple minutes. We ought to stand to our feet. And with those breaths that God has given us, we ought to give thanks to the Lord and praise to our God for who he is. And bless the Lord. Open your mouth with a praise phrase.